The legends of Yankees baseball. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Hit number 3,000. Derek Jeter has achieved another milestone in his Hall of Fame career. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio, 1019 FM. The Fan, WFAN. Well, good evening, New York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartney. McCartney before midnight. And I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up till 11 p.m. on this Saturday evening here in New York City. Uh, it was real crowded getting into the city. The George Washington Bridge jammed. Lincoln Tunnel jammed. So, uh, hey, if you're sitting in traffic, thanks for tuning in. Whatever you're doing at the moment, appreciate you tuning into the show now throughout the rest of the evening through 11 p.m. Whether that be on your car radio, on WFAN.com, or on the free Odyssey app. And, of course, we're here in the Big Apple. And Paul Rosenberg, Paulie Rosenberg and I are coming to you live from the Boomer and Geo studio here in lower Manhattan. Uh, I've got former New York Jets fullback uh, who played in two AFC championship games with the Jets. Tony Richardson will be joining us live at 9.40 p.m. So, Jet fans, stay locked in. And just like that. It is September 10th, and we are here with a a somber undertone on on the eve of the most tragic day in our country's history. Uh, We remember exactly where we were. Eighth grade science class, window seat, second row. And more importantly, we remember the lives lost, but never gone. All of the 2,996 innocent souls that perished right down the street here at the World Trade Center, 184 at the Pentagon, and the 40 aboard Flight 93. You know, our hearts are, are still heavy with grief, but, but resiliency at the same time. From that sunny, that crystal clear, Robin's, blue, Robin's egg blue uh, you know, sky on that September 11th, 21 years ago. So never forget um, as we make the difficult pivot to the sports world, which, you know, is in no realm on the same level of importance as the real world. But it is an exciting time for us here in this city. Big picture. I mean, baseball is still good. In fact, fan graphs. They're projecting the Yankees and the Mets will both make the pl- the postseason. And their odds? 100% says Fangraphs. And the Giants and the Jets, they're about to kick off their more optimistic, fingers crossed, 2022 seasons tomorrow. The Giants are in Nashville. The Jets right here, MetLife Stadium. And I'm going to be there. I- I'm going to be at that game, at that Jet game, as a guest of the Jets Lounge, which is an, a Twitter group that does a fantastic job of rallying Jets fans all around this area. And the the most thing that I'm looking forward to most in tomorrow's game, I'm getting there early, and I can't wait to see what the Jets have planned for a pregame 9-11 commemoration. As I sit here right now in my FDNY cap. And I've got all that coming up for you later tonight. You know, remember, this is this is a show for fans of all teams here in New York, not just a select few teams. So go ahead, start dialing 877-337-6666. Because if you remember, 
I'm taking your calls right here in this first segment. And all of our area teams that, that played today have put up significant points on the board. We're talking about Rutgers, Rutgers football. I mean, Rutgers put up 66 points. 66 in a single game. So they start the season 2-0. The Yankees put up a, a touchdown and a field goal and an extra point, of course. They beat the Rays 10-3. And the Mets, right now in the sixth inning, bottom of the sixth against the Marlins, Carlos Carrasco on the mound, they're, they're showing a fan sleeping in the stands right now on picks 11 because the score is the Mets are up a touchdown, an extra point, and a field goal over the Marlins. 10-1 to Mets, bottom of the sixth. So there's a lot of optimism, at least today. <clears throat> Excuse me, today. September 10th. But I'm going to kick it off tonight. Uh, you just heard the post game, the fifth quarter show of Rutgers. So let's kick it off tonight with the Yankees' rousing defeat of the Tampa Bay Rays. And I wanted to start this off with a quote from Derek Jeter. And he said last night, this is a quote. He said, Yankee fans expect excellence. They're never satisfied, which is a good thing. They boo because they want to cheer. That's the way I look at it. That's a quote from Derek Jeter. And he's right. So there was a lot to cheer about today at the stadium. The biggest outcome of them all being that the Yankees have clinched, officially clinched, the season series against the team that is hot on their heels in the AL East. And exhale, for sure, for the New York Yankees. My question is, does my, my essential question is uh, back in classroom mode, right? My, my essential question of, of this segment is, does today's win make you feel better? Is it finally coming together? Are the Yankees turning the bend? Is that the right expression? I never get these right. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I'm never really on the fence. Oh, Paul says it's turning the corner. There we go. He's laughing at me now. See, I never get them right, but that's how I know you're listening. That's what I do in class. Turning the bend? I don't know. I thought about when we were in Sicily and we kept turning the bend to go find our town, turning around the bend, turning around the bend with the hay and the horses, and there was no town, and it said three minutes away. So that's kind of what my imagery went. So I said turn around the bend. All right. Turn around the corner. Turning the corner. You're, you're turning the corner. See? There you go. Little help. Little help. Little or little turning help. the page. <laughs> there you go. Is it time for the Yankees to have turned the page on what has been a disastrous Definitely second half of the summer. I, I mean, I, I'm never really on the fence. Um, it's kind of tough. But as I thought through this, I, I want to say yes. Because, number one, Jameson Tyone pitched a gem of a game. He's now got, I mean, he had a standing ovation when he walked off the mound. He acknowledged the crowd. He waved to him a little bit, which I wish they did more of too, right? Did that mean, come on. It's awkward. Otherwise, it's just awkward. I'd be like waving like Miss America when I walked off after I threw a good game or something like that. But anyway, Jameson Tyone now has a 750 winning percentage. You know, that's good for second in the American League, the winning percentage for a pitcher, only behind Justin Verlander. So maybe the Yankees are turning the page. And number two, I mean, just that first inning alone, was evidence enough to see that the Yankees' approach at the plate was just, in a word, different. In another word, better. 
I mean, just in that first inning, the Yankees batted around, logged eight hits, and pegged Corey Kluber for six runs. I mean, in the first inning alone, the Yankees were six for eight with runners in scoring position. In the first inning alone. And they never looked back. And also, by the way, at game's end, they ended up finishing seven for 11 with runners in scoring position. You know what else? That was, you know, Corey Kluber's been around a long time. That was the shortest start of his entire career. And then you've got, of course, John Carlos Stanton and Josh Donaldson back in the lineup. Okay, you might be like, okay, so what? Well, I don't know, something must be brewing over there in the way that the pitchers have to approach this lineup with them in it because the Yankees are now 48 and 23 when they are in the lineup together. 48 and 23 with Stanton and Donaldson in the lineup. Um that doesn't say coincidence to me. And then Josh Donaldson told uh, Meredith, Meredith Markovitz on the field after the game, he said I felt like we were jumping on pitches that we were looking for. A lot of guys contribute that inning. It was nice. Well, it was, wasn't it? It was the kind of no-stress game that the Yankees needed. It's the kind of offensive baseball that wins in the postseason. Look at the first inning. The Yankees strung together hits. The Bronx Bombers took a 6-0 lead on seven straight singles. There were seven, seven New York Yankees with multiple hits today. I mean... Were you watching this game in the first inning and saying, who is this team? Is this right? Is this score right? Is that inning right? And then I guess we'll split it into like 3A, 3B right now. Aaron Boone today, to me, proved a point by sitting Aaron Hicks after he pulled him last night and amid chance of Joey Gallo. I mean, I would have walked out there and pulled Aaron Hicks out myself all the way out to left field after that awful physical and mental, not even a relapse or lapse, whatever, physical, mental breakdown Aaron Hicks had down the left field line. I would have pulled him out myself. I would have walked all the way out there, Gil Hodges, Cleon Jones style, and I would have walked him back to the dugout with me. But the point was that Aaron Boone put the best person that he thought out there to win the game for the, for the Yankees in left field defensively instead of bowing to the contract dollars of Aaron Hicks. I'm taking, right now, I'm taking Miguel Andujar over Aaron Hicks any day of the week and twice on Sunday. He has a want to be there. Maybe it's not there with the Yankees, but there at the major league level as evidenced by his trade request. I mean, he knows he's good enough to be out there. His left fielding has improved dramatically, even though he's a natural third baseman. You know what? Keep him out there. Let him prove it. And he'll have some time to. Aaron Hicks should be nailed to the bench forevermore. Enough. And then 3B, I say 3B because the next move should be to bench Isaiah Kiner Valefa. Cleon Jones, I told you before, he told me that Gil Hodges' benching of him proved the point. Okay, well... Here's what I would do. I'd send a message to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. I'd bench him. And I'm done seeing these botched plays at shortstop. I don't care, you know, if it reflects as an error or not. I mean, the first play of the game, he's out of position defensively. 
and the ball took two bounces. It wasn't even like it was screamed past him on a one hopper. It took two bounces and bounced off his glove. Why? Because he was out of position playing shortstop. Maybe that's on him. Maybe that's on the manager. As Eduardo Escobar circles the bases with a solo home run. It is now 11 one Mets over the Marlins, and it's like City Field South down there. Man, there's a lot of Mets fans in the stands. But you've got a shortstop playing out of position. Okay, okay, you maybe okay, maybe you want to give him that. Say, oh, you know, it was the manager's fault he was out of position. All right, fine, we'll play that game too. How about the fourth inning then? Going back on a ball. It hit him in the glove. It hit Isaiah Kiner-Falefa right in the glove. And he dropped it. It would have been a real nice one, two, three inning for, for Jamison Tyone. But it wasn't. And in the golden age of pitch counts, it forced Jamison Tyone to throw seven extra pitches, which might not sound like a lot, but it was a stressful at bat. Full count, foul ball, ended up being a strikeout. But I mean, if you've ever played shortstop, ever in your life, you would know that that is a routine play for a shortstop to make, especially one that hits you in the glove. And and the other compound point of this is that Isaiah Kiner, I mean, um, um, Oswald Peraza, he's sitting on the bench. You called him up, and he's sitting on the bench. That doesn't sit right with me. You know, I talk about that all the time with the coaches. You don't call a kid up to varsity from the freshman team or from the JV team to sit him on the bench. They aren't getting any better by sitting on the bench. So my move as imaginary manager of the New York Yankees is to start Peraza over IKF at SS. I'd send a message to kind of fluff. I'd say, don't get complacent. And then you're going to see Kiner Falefa taking extra reps before the game. You'll see him working on his drop steps to get to that easy catch, routine catch out in shallow uh, left field. You'll see him doing, you know, taking some more extra. You'll see him improve. You watch. Other than that, Yankees appear to be on the bounce back, fingers crossed. And the Mets are now up on the uh, on the Marlins 11-1 in the seventh inning. And... um I think I might have some happy New York baseball fans on the phone lines right now. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. We're going to take a quick break. We will find out together right here on The Fan. Your teams, your station. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Here on the fan in New York City, Rutgers wins big, Yankees win big, and the Mets, I don't want to jinx anything, and it's I'll take the blame, but it looks like the Mets are well on their way to win big down in Miami. Uh, have the Yankees turned the page? Uh, I'm le- It's not a firm yes, but I'm leaning towards yes for the reasons I pointed out. And just to sum up, Jameson Tyone pitched a gem. He's second in the AL, only behind Justin Verlander in winning percentage. I mean, the approach at the plate just looked different, looked better, as evidenced by that first inning. Aaron Boone proved that maybe, maybe 
maybe he's making the point that you have to earn playing time by benching Aaron Hicks. And next move, of, I, in my opinion, is to to prove a point to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa that he shouldn't get complacent because Oswald Peraza is on the bench and he's also a shortstop. So that's kind of why I think it, it's 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 on the mend. And again, you also have Giancarlo Stanton and and uh, Josh Donaldson back in the lineup for the first time in a long time, first time long time. And uh, the Yankees are forty eight and twenty three when they're together in the lineup. That's not a coincidence. So let us go to the phones at eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I'm Danielle McCartan, and here we go. Here is Josh in the Bronx. You're leading us off tonight, Josh. Go ahead. I'm telling you, Danielle. Those two made quite a difference today, didn't they? But anyway, talking about IFK and um, IKF, yeah. I mean, you know, Isaiah Kainapalefa and Josh Donaldson. You know, I mean, like that was only one game. Mm -hmm. And now, in your in your to your question about Aaron Hicks and Isaiah Kainapalefa, remember. You have a lot of players who are going to come back off that injury list, and I'm sure you're going to have a pencil and paper, and you're going to and you're going to say who are we going to, you know, there's going to be some players designated for assignment. Yeah, who who right. are we taking with us? Who are we taking with us to the postseason? And that is right. the question that Josh, that the Yankees you, are going to have to to answer and take some notes on, right. as you said. You go, girl. <laughs> um, uh, and that's the question that, that the Yankees are going to have to answer moving forward. Who are we? I'm, I'm talking we, not as if I play for the Yankees, please. I know people do that here, but not me. As, as, as if I'm part of the management, I would sit down and I would ask each other. I would say, okay, guys, who are we taking to the postseason with us? Who has proved that they deserve to be on this roster moving forward? Now, I'm not right now about to say that. It's August 10th. It's Oh, my God. It's September 10th. So we've got another month-ish, uh, two good two weeks, two and a half weeks left to go. Um, get back to me next week. Maybe we'll have a better idea. But I'm not. I- I'm watching. I'm testing out just as much as any of these Yankees uh, front office or, or manager is. Okay, so I'm not going to be backed into a hole and say tonight and say and backed into a corner and say, hey, is this guy making the postseason roster? I'm not saying yes or no tonight. I'd like to watch and see what happens moving forward. Michael in Lake Mary, Florida. You're up next on the fan. Hey, coach. How are you? What's up, Michael? How are you? Uh, doing great. Who are those guys today, right? My goodness. I know. Yeah, I know. That <laughs> first inning, you're like, wait a second. Is my TV right? Is that right? Exactly. Oh, goodness. But anyway, I got two quick Yankee points here. First on, uh, on Hicks. Um, one thing to miss the ball. The thing that drove me crazy, which probably drove everybody crazy, was the attitude and the effort after it. Oh. Not even picking up the ball, throwing it in. That was Chuck Knobloch in the 98 playoffs, and it cost them that game. So Brutal. Brutal. That, that, was, that was, to me, that's the rock bottom of, of Hicks at this point. Yeah. I just it's like, Michael, it's like, it's like every game that he's playing in, it's like there's a new rock bottom. At what point? I hope this is, right. this is the, the, the point in overturn for him. I really do. I've seen enough. But that, that, was, that was nuts for me. But... The other thing was you and I were going back a little back and forth a little early today with the uh, when I said to you about oh, here's Aaron Judge leading off again. I said I wonder how many yep. solo home runs he has. And actually, I did the research. I got I got the numbers here. Okay. So uh, Roger Maris in his 61 home run season had 33 solo home runs. Judge has 35 out of 55. So it's kind of close, mm-hmm. but he's still ahead of the pace there a little bit. But what I thought was even more interesting was 
Nine out of 12 of the last 12 home runs that Judge hit were solo home runs, and that's all reflective of him leading off yes. at this point. Yep. Uh, and last interesting stat was he's got 14 intentional walks this year. Guess how many Maris had the year he, he, he set the record? Ooh, uh, probably more because he had Mantle behind him, right? So I would say maybe uh, 29. How about zero? He what? Not intentionally walked once in 1961. Wow. I, I, I had to look at that twice to say, is that it? so? So, in effect, think about Judge getting even more plate appearances. I'm sorry, getting less plate appearances because he's getting passed 14 times. So, just thought those are some amazing yeah. facts there about that. But, zero uh, intentional walks? What? Zero in 19. 19- yeah, but you know, and you know what was funny? When I was on the Baseball Almanac, the, the next line said that in 1962, there was one game he was intentionally passed four times. What? So I, I just thought that was interesting yeah. how, uh, how his reputation came with the home runs. But anyway, I just wanted to throw those out there to you. Uh, uh-huh. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and then enjoy the game tomorrow with the Jets, okay? Right, thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Take care. And that kind of gets to the um... – Another sort of little problem I have with this lineup, and Aaron Boone was asked about it after the game, too, and, and, and whoever it was, I didn't hear it. I, I heard the answer. I was in the kitchen, but I ran back to the TV. Um, it was, uh, his response was, uh, the question essentially was, do you like Aaron Judge at the top of the batting order, um, you know, with Stanton? And he said, yeah, I like, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, oh, yeah, I, I like my two big boppers at, at, at the top of the order. Yeah, hitting one, too. And this is something that's bothered me all season. I don't love Aaron Judge batting leadoff. I get it. I get that you want, you know, a guy who hits for, for Aaron Judge hits for average too, by the way. A guy who gets on base. I, I get it. You want him up up first. But Aaron Judge is is a little bit it's like a like a unicorn. It's a little different because he's not like a Benintendi. Benintendi gets on base. Brandon Nemo gets on base. He's got a little power to him. So I I don't love I don't like seeing Aaron Judge up there batting first, batting second. Uh, to me, the perfect spot for Aaron Judge would be third. That That's where he should be hitting. You get guys in front of him. Then that solo home run turns into a three-run home run, and then there's a little bit more breathing room for a pitcher, and everything else calms down from there. So, again, I asked Aaron Boone this in April about that, and he just said that he just likes – this is before the game. This is not on recording, but he just said he he told me earlier in the season that it was a lefty righty thing. And now he says he likes the big boppers at the top. So I, I'm not, I don't love it, and I get it. Don't try to mansplain baseball to me. I get it. I get it. You want the guy who gets on base to, to get the most at bats. I get it. But he also hits a it hits a ton of home runs too, and he shouldn't be hitting solo home runs. Uh, in the order that you call, I go to Ethan in Hawthorne, New Jersey. Ethan, what's up? Hey, Daniel. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, what you said about Aaron Boone, his reasons for making the lineup is almost as inconsistent as the Yankees are. Um, I think that you should slow down and everybody should slow down on the Yankees turning around the season because the past two years, uh, they've been the most inconsistent team in baseball. It's like when a guy goes off and goes like three for four in a game, it, they magically appear on the bench the next day. And yes. Oh, yes. And then like Ben Attendee, right? He's best leading off. But no, Boone insisted on sticking him in the sixth spot. Like I don't understand. Yes. So like I, as, I'm a Yankee fan, like you are, and I, you know, hope and pray that this team can go on a magical run and win number twenty-eight. But I just can't foresee that with how inconsistent the team is 
from managing and the, the team itself and Donaldson and Hicks, can we just lastly send them to the moon? I never want to see Hicks and I never want to see Donaldson on the field again. Well, Donaldson hit, hit almost two home runs today. I mean, I know, I know he's not, you know, he doesn't have many redeeming qualities. However, he did hit almost two home runs today. Definitely one. And I don't know, man. I, I get it. I get it. But then who, who's playing third base? IKF. And for me, it's IKF. And then you put Peraza at short and then Duhar in left field. And that way you don't have to play Donaldson and I would stick uh, Stan in the DH. But that's just me. You know, and then have Cabrera in right field. It's not a terrible idea. I'm just trying to look up, you know, because you, you, sometimes you wonder, okay, like a guy, when you, you stick him in a different position, one, has he ever played there before? And two, how did he, how did he do there? So he played, uh, let's see, third base. Let's see, let's see. Third base, he played in Texas uh, for uh, and this week also. four years. Yeah. Week. yeah, I'm saying just like the biggest chunk of it. Uh, fielding percentage. Oh, God, I can't find it. You know when you're in a rush and can't find something? I just want to see comparatively – as a shortstop versus as a as a third baseman, where is he better? And I might have to do this on the break because when you try to find something real quick, it's it's hard to do. Uh, for oh, here it is. As a shortstop, he's got a fielding percentage of nine seventy two. As a third baseman, it's nine sixty. Okay, and I know I know fielding. Okay, I also know this too that fielding is not just based off a of field fielding percentage, but looking at that, to me, it looks like he's a better shortstop. Defensive run saved at at, at uh, shortstop is twenty four, third base at sixteen. I mean that that then that theoretically it weakens your infield. So well, you also get more offensive production with him at third base too. I feel like so I don't know. I mean it's hey we're in the trial period here, Ethan. It, it maybe it's something I'd try just to see see if it see if it works, see if it sticks. Start working him out at third base before the game, but. Yeah, I mean that the left side of the infield is is weak. There's no there's no way around that. It's weak. So it's a trial and error period. But for right now, I, I'm not moving Kiner for left to third base. He it, you would weaken your infield by doing it. Believe it or not, you know just on a quick glance here. So uh, let's go. Can we do it one more? Paul? Yeah. Okay. Dominic in East Rochester. You're up next. Hello, Danny. What's up, Don? Dom. You know, Dancy, uh, I called about uh, Andujar and whether we turned the corner. But Danny, Danny, Danny. He had Mickey Mantle betting behind him, Danny. Of course they couldn't walk him, ever. I I, I wouldn't have guessed zero, to tell you the truth. Well, right. I, I would have guessed six. Yeah. That at least they had, you know, first base open and wanted to set up a double play or some darn thing. But mm-hmm. uh, when you got Mickey Mantle batting behind you, that's what it's all about, Danny, right there. Yep. Two bitch Stan, two bitch Stan's never going to wake up. <laughs> well, it, maybe. He had a home run today off the foul pole. I know it was on like a, 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 a minor league pitch, but, hey, maybe that gets him going. Danny, Who knows? Danny, it wasn't even a pitcher. Yeah, I know. It was like a 47-mile-an-hour pitch. I get it. I know. Yeah, Danny, this is as far as turning the corner, uh-huh. I can't buy in. Nice win, but you know this this team. I can't trust this team. I know. Danny. I when know. we go out, and I you know I love the Yankees like you, but I can't trust this team. Uh, you know when they go out, you get one hit, two hits, uh, start throwing the ball all over the joint. Mm-hmm. 
I got to see more. I got to see a lot more. And my word on Anduar, Danny, has been for the last two years to the uh, brass, leave him alone. I know. Just leave him alone. Yeah. This guy, this guy, you want to laugh here? This guy could be, uh, go for a batting title, for crying out loud, if he was just left alone. 40 doubles as a rookie, and Danny, they were down both lines, not a pole hitter. Yeah. Both lines. Leave this guy alone. If a couple of fly balls hit him in the head, so what? Who cares? <laughs> but, well, but they, can't be any worse. Know, can't be any worse than the ball bouncing out of Aaron Hicks's glove last night and him hanging uh, his head like a teenager. Danny, I gotta tell you something. I can't stand Aaron Hicks. Yep. Okay. And, but I don't know the man. Whatever. I almost felt sorry for him last night. Almost. But what happened there? Well, but let me tell you why. Danny, he can't take the booing anymore. Yeah. He just can't take it. Forty-plus thousand fans are booing every move that he makes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I was there, I'd probably be one of them. I'm sorry to say. And I just don't think he can handle it anymore. And I think he's breaking down. Yeah, Dominic, I think you nailed it on the, right on the head there because, you know, again, they're people. I mean, a lot of times we forget that these players are people too. And and you're probably right. You're probably right. And it's not just the booing anymore. It's it's getting – I want to say – booing is booing, right? I, I feel like – I don't want to use the word it's getting more intelligent, but it, it's in a way it's getting more intelligent because now it's – they're chanting Joey Gallo. They traded Joey Gallo away, right? And And – because he stunk up the place here in New York, offensively especially. Defensively, he was he was fine. Offensively, he was he was bad. So now they're chanting Joey Gallo at him, as if to say we'd rather have the guy who stunk so bad over you. I mean, that's like some next level booing. I think you know, air quotes booing. I don't know, man. So on, on top of all that, too, going on at the stadium. I mean, Derek Jeter, he was just as mysterious as ever in his little short speech on the field that Hall of Fame night. I'm Daniel McCartan. What did Derek Jeter say? And what does it all mean? Up next here on The Fan. The Bronx Bombers. It is hot. It is hot. It is gone. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Yankees win. The Yankees win. The Fan on 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. My show followed Rutgers football, Rutgers blowout football. Um, and quickly, quickly, I want to get to this this Derek Jeter stuff because it is it is kind of relevant. And it had people talking for sure. You know, he was back at Yankee Stadium for the first time in not such a long time, you know. It was a night to honor him. And the time before that was to promote his multiple-part ESPN documentary. So he's been back for things about him. And Jeter was in vintage, mysterious form last night with his short speech on the field. And he said of his comments, after after he made them, he said, I think you guys are reading too much into it. Well, that's what we're here for. 
besides Brian Cashman being booed mercilessly, Hal Steinbrenner was too for the second time in two weeks at Yankee Stadium. Here's what Jeter said as it was occurring. So I want to thank once again Hal Steinbrenner and the Steinbrenner family. And let me tell you something. You better cheer. Trust me. Hmm. You better cheer. Trust me. And then they all started cheering. But couple that line with the fact that he also said he was, quote, looking forward to hopefully seeing a lot more of you in the near future. And then the media, again, asked Jeter after the game, I guess, in any capacity, would he be willing to come back to the game? And he said, quote, I love this game, and I'm interested in seeing it grow. I gained a lot of knowledge on the management side. Time will tell. Now, Yankee fans are smart fans. I mean, they're no longer just booing. That's for laymen. They're chanting Joey Gallo at Aaron Hicks. So the Yankee fans are connecting the dots. Wouldn't this be a best-case scenario for Hal Steinbrenner to replace GM Brian Cashman Steinbrenner? By choosing a Yankees legend, unanimously well-liked, Hall of Fame, almost unanimous, Hall of Fame voted Derek Jeter to do it. Cashman's contract is up at the end of the season. He hasn't done enough. He has not done enough to have it renewed. So, GM Jeter? Listen, I'm a huge Derek Jeter fan. I played shortstop because of him. But he was on a five-year plan in Miami. And through the four years that he was actually there and making baseball decisions for that team, under his leadership, the Marlins were 218 in 327. Losing record by far. And if that were, I mean, Yankee fans would not be happy with that. I mean, don't kid yourself. You already know it. And I love the idea of Derek Jeter being around more often. But I don't love it being in a GM role. Or it won't, and I know that's what not, what he was not in, in Miami. But I still don't love it. And, and I don't love uh, him in a managerial role either. Not yet anyway. And by the way, Aaron Boone was re-upped last season, so he's going nowhere. But Cashman, Cashman, his deal's up at the end of this season. I think Derek Jeter would be a perfect scout. That's definitely well below him. They'll give him, they'll, you know what, I believe they're going to give him some special advisor role, like they gave to CC Sabathia. I think that David Wright has one too with the Mets. It's a flexible role. He'll still be able to live in Miami, and he's going to commute to New York whenever he wants, and he's going to be a great addition to the Yankees' front office. But but Jeter, as a GM, right now, I mean, it's a great nostalgic idea, but I'm good for now. But Derek Jeter, man, as, as um, mysterious as ever, and his kids, I'm sorry, but they were they were a little bratty for me, for my liking. I mean, demanding ice cream, hugging his leg while he's giving a speech, kicking up the dirt. I mean, I'm sorry I'm saying this, but that was a little uh, that was a little much for me, you know. And I was gonna go, I was gonna go try to see if I can get a press pass for that, but 
I figured that he did he did all he did the sit down with Meredith uh the day before. I feel like and he did TV and everything. I think I feel like the day before. So Thursday was his press day whereas Friday he showed up there with his family and probably didn't really want to be really bothered. So I don't know. Derek Jeter, I've interviewed him once. I think uh, I'd, I'd love to sit down and pick his baseball brain. I think he's got he's a he's a brilliant baseball mind. But as a GM right now, not on board with it. We got to go to a quick break, then an update from Jack Stern, and I'll be back with you right around I don't know nine oh two or so. <laughs> All right, I'm Daniel McCarr with you till eleven p.m. here on the Fan. Have something to say? We'll answer the phone. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Yeah! Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on the fan in New York City. Oh, we're just getting started. We're one hour down, and we are just getting started. With you till 11 p.m., Ricky Ricardo comes your way then. If you're a fan of the show, or maybe you follow me on social media, and by the way, Paul Rosenberg is behind the glass. He's on the ones and twos. He's taking your calls. He is producer extraordinaire, Paulie Rosenberg, with that nice fan uh, sweater there. I like that. WFAN sweater. Three-quarter zip. Oh, it's a three-quarter zip. Excuse me. Not a sweater. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, man. Where do I get one of those? Uh, yeah, know the right people. Oh, or you can go to the uh, WFAN store. I'm, I think that the website's still active. Mm, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see if I can put in a good word for you if you want one. All right. Yeah, please do. Thanks. It's going to get chilly now. It's, oh, it's it's always cold in here. I'm freezing in here, actually. It's always it's <laughs> always like 67, 66 degrees. Yeah. I'm cold. You know, in here? Yeah. It's blowing right on me, too. I don't know where it's going. I'm going to have to adjust that next commercial break. <laughs> well, if you're a fan of the show, you follow me on social media, maybe. Maybe you don't listen to the show. But you know my dad and I went on a road trip. Uh, this Labor Day weekend to Cleveland and to Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll talk about Cleveland in a minute. But first, I need to address the Pirates' absolute fiasco from Monday because I was there for it. Part A of the story is this. The 12:30 game was officially postponed around 9.50 in the morning. At the time, there was just a misty rain occurring. So after spending $300 on a hotel room for one night, we packed up got in the car, and drove the five minutes to PNC Park. I took a picture by the bridge, the Roberto Clemente Bridge, which is under construction for this entire season. Uh, I took a picture by it with an umbrella, posted it to my social media, at Coach McCartan on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you look closely, you'll notice that there is not a single raindrop on my umbrella. I just used it for the look and the dramatic effect of the picture. We observed through the gate, at the stadium, at PNC Park, that there were some Mets wearing their blue jackets on the outfield grass. The infield was covered by tarp. The team store was closed, and there were minimal ticket agents working. But the bars, you know, where you eat and drink, the bars surrounding the stadium were wide open for business. And yet, no game. And before we got back in the car to come home, which was now about 11 a.m. on Monday, I said to my dad, I said, you know, I put my hand out, you know, palm facing the sky, and I said, you know, Dad, I played in softball games with worse weather than this. And he said, yeah, I know. All the way home, all eight-hour 
hours that it took to get home, over eight hours. We were seeing the tweets from the reporters and from Howie Rose himself about how the weather conditions and how the game could have been played, should have been played. And after a while, I'll be honest, I I couldn't even look at it anymore. Because part B of the story is this. And my dad said, don't talk about this. It's a first world problem. But you know what? I'm going to because it's beyond frustrating for me. And I'm sure there's somebody listening right now that went all the way out there on Monday too. And if you were, I want to hear from you. 877-337-6666. Because I originally bought the tickets to go to the game on StubHub for $196 to be exact. Nice seats right behind the Mets on deck circle. I wanted to surprise my dad with how good they were because he was not expecting that. 9.50 a.m. Monday. 33 seconds later, uh, the, the Pirates announced the postponement of the game. I listed the tickets on StubHub. I obviously can't take off the first two days of school to go to a baseball game because it was postponed to Wednesday. All the way home. We're checking to see if they were sold. Nothing. Now it's around 9 p.m. I decided to call StubHub. They gave me a supervisor who explained that the tickets were never listed based on some time constraint technicality. No worries, though. He, Jason, from StubHub, was going to do it for me. And after missing out on a potential sale all day on Monday... All day on Tuesday, no sale. Wednesday morning, I looked to try to buy the tickets myself without logging in or anything. And guess what? They weren't listed. When I got home from school, I called back only to be hung up by Leo or Liam, whatever his name was. I called back and I got Melissa. And she said that Supervisor Jason would be calling me back directly. That was Wednesday. Still haven't heard from him. StubHub. This is on you, StubHub. My, pro- my problem isn't that the tickets didn't sell because only 8,717 people ended up going to that Wednesday afternoon game. PNC Park was 23% full. My problem is that they were never listed properly on their website, even by the supervisor. And they were even, they, they were never, my tickets were never even given the chance to sell. Even if I listed them for a dollar each, they weren't going to sell. And for that, I feel as though I should expect a refund to come my way. And if not a refund, at least a call back. Total trip cost $500 for a game not played. That by all accounts, all accounts, should have been played. I mean, can, can you feel the frustration? I mean, luckily Cleveland was a much better experience. And we could talk about that coming up soon. But I just want some resolution. So if anybody from StubHub is listening, you go ahead and give me a call here. Because I want this resolved. Anyway. Pittsburgh, not such a great experience. Although we did get to the Permanti brothers the night before. We had dinner there. We we did a lot of the things. All that was left to do was go to the game that should have been played and wasn't. Well, that's that. Uh, Let's go to Paul in Floral Park. You're up next on the the fan. How are you, Daniel? What's up, Paul? All right. Yeah, so that's... uh, that's, Yeah, that's too bad that uh, you you guys got... uh, got, uh, the the short end of the stick uh, if you trip to uh, to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I cl- yeah, luckily Cleveland was much better experience, but but that was um, you know that was something. Yeah. It, it, you know what? It, 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 ugh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, better luck next time. I hope but so. At least, yeah, at least you, you you had some valuable time with your father. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. Right. You did the right thing. That's uh, good for you. Good for you. That's yeah. I mean, that's uh, something I had. Yeah, that I no longer have. Yeah, mm. yeah. You take Sorry it. Sorry about that. 
yeah, you take advantage of those uh, of those years that you still have uh, with your father. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Good for you. Good. Um, did um, did you guys get to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when you, when we, you were in? We Cleveland? did. Yep, we squeezed oh, that in. Yep. All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was a short <laughs> trip, but we did squeeze it in. Yep. Good. It was good. good. Did you? Did did you, did you come across the uh, the Led Zeppelin uh, exhibit because they're in there? <laughs> no, I didn't. Ooh, my boy, I didn't. I missed oh. the Fleetwood Mac one. I missed the the Jay Z one. I believe he's in there too. Oh. But we did. We saw a lot. I mean, it's it's six floors. You know, it's a lot. Right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Reason true. to go back. Yeah. Oh yeah. I bet you you'll catch up to it. Yeah, my boys are in there. <laughs> I love that uh, rock band. That's the yeah. I'm sorry, I was uh, pumping, pumping all all those videos. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, it's yeah. I jeez. <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's yeah. That's my favorite rock band, but. Uh, yeah, I I I see uh, Derek Jeter going into getting back into baseball, winning management. I think he'll he'll yeah. If if Brian Cashman isn't isn't uh, renewed with his contract, I don't know. I mean, he, are the Yankees really in a position to hire a guy that has no GM experience? That's that's the that's the big question. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I think We'll say you never know, you know. Yeah. I mean, baseball's uh, baseball's a strange game. Yeah. We've seen a lot of uh, you know the cuckoo stuff that uh, you know. <laughs> but you never know. We'll yeah, say. I know. You never know. I mean, and it's, yeah. it's always Paul. It's always a, a collaborative effort you hear from these guys. It's collaborative, so you know yeah. maybe there isn't so much yeah. pressure on him anymore nowadays that that it would have been years ago. Right. I mean. um, yeah, we still need to uh, to make adjustments here with the uh, with the Yankees. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, John Carlos Stanton swings swings the bat like he's uh, like he's swinging a samurai. What uh, a, 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 a sword! Here. Yeah, yeah, a sword. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he chops at the ball. I know. It's violent. He's got that three quarter. Yeah, yeah. Three quarter stance. He 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 stands. He cuddles uh, too play too close to the plate. I was saying this to my friend. Oh no! Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. He he he's got to make adjustments uh, with his batting stance. I mean, he's got the the body of a of a linebacker, or more like a wide receiver. But but he doesn't run like one. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. He's got to stand a little further back and be be able to extend his arms. Yeah, so he, so he can jack it out. But, yeah, uh, Paul, that's not a bad point there. And you look at Giancarlo Stanton, and he does. If he does back up, though, he he does have issues with that bottom uh, bottom the the below outside strike. He does have issues with that. So I'm okay with the stance now. I, I, you know, it is what it is at this point. There's no changing him now. If they want to make any adjustments for now, for me, it would be in the off season. I mean, he's he is producing. Uh, it's just you know he was out for a while, and it's a matter of timing. I mean, you, you're not rehabbing with with 100 mile mile an hour fastballs. You're just not. So just give him a couple. He's he'll be he'll be back. He'll be all right. You believe that? In 2022, we're saying don't worry about Stan. Believe that? Ben and Queens, you're up next on the fan. Morning there, Coach. Morning. Oh, morning. <laughs> Good uh, night. Late evening. <laughs> uh, evening. Uh, prime time. Prime time with Coach. Anyway, uh, quickly, six things, and I'll get to them real fast. First thing, it goes without saying, 
Congratulations to the Sun. Congratulations to the Aces. Let's go, Aces! And offhand, again, separate from the topic, have you ever seen a dumb play like Coppa made in that fourth quarter to just totally, totally pump up the Sun and turn a 9-0 run into an 18-0 run to close the game? Yeah, that's nuts. That's leaving nice. the court, Candace Parker just gave that side eye, and I was like, she wants to kill everybody right now. <laughs> just uh, second, it, it, it's simple. It, Pittsburgh StubHub together with you see, and you make that call. I believe it happened with the Yankees, not last year, but two years ago, and. Twins were just in. With the Twins game, I remember 6 o'clock in the morning, it's thunderstorming, and I had tickets for my dad's birthday. I was like, okay, all right, they're probably going to call it off. They did at 9, and then 1 o'clock comes. Perfect sunshine. Amazing. (laughs) I called StubHub, and I'm on hold for about 45, 50 minutes trying to we put the tickets up to be so be uh, resold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's it's going to happen to you, but expect the runaround. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've 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 been getting it since Monday. The runaround with this this company. I can't believe it. I, I, yeah. I feel like I'll never buy a ticket from StubHub ever again. Yeah. Um, about today's game. This is the Yanks I expected to see. About when was that players meeting? Three weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yeah. Weeks. It's a little delayed impact, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, hey, you got, you know, if you look at the schedule, you got eight games coming up. You better go six and two in these eight. And, and that's not going to be easy because you got, you're going to have three in Milwaukee. Yeah. And bo- the, 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 the short two games with Boston in this set. Yep. But <laughs> Tampa's right there. Well, the good thing is today that the Yankees did, and I mean, they clinched the 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 season series. So really, no matter what happens tomorrow, I mean, they they've beat the Rays so far. So any tiebreaker will go the Yankees' way. That's yeah, the good news. Yeah, that, that, that's one positive, but yeah. the negative is, you know, we spent so long looking at Houston. Yeah, that Tampa is now right there. Just, just let, 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 let's get it together. Uh, unfortunately, we can't say that about certain players. A certain thirty-one whose name I'm not going to mention. It's like like Voldemort. He who must not be named. Enough already. Okay, can, can you say the yips? Yeah, yips. That, yeah, that was that was the worst. Not not as bad as having your manager walking out onto the field and pulling you out of the game. Mm-hmm. And and longtime fans know that incident, but. And then you you have the nerve to throw a tantrum, dude. Those are easy plays that you messed up. Yeah, and and most of all, it was a mental error. There was a mental yeah. error that went on. Yeah. Uh and you know what? I'll end it with the with the the, the football teams real fast. Jets. I, I want to say eight and nine, nine and eight. It'll definitely be oh, an improvement no. over last year. I say seven uh, for the Jets, maybe. You say seven, and for the Giants, believe it or not, I think the Giants could pull off ten this year. Because 
I'm seeing the whole a, uh, NFC East is wide open. Back yeah. Except except for Philly. I think Philly's defense is good enough to get them to 11 wins. I think I think Dallas is is, is I think Dallas might run away with the the the, the East I, NFC East. I, but they always I choke at the end, they, so you don't know. They, they get off to a tough start. We've already seen the mental makeup of that team, and and their first six games are not easy. They get they get behind the eight ball early. It's going to be not only the coach but Dax. If they get off to a slow start, yeah. can they rally that team? I don't know, coach. But I coach, hope not. <laughs> enjoy the weekend. Thank you for the time. As always, it's a pleasure hearing on you, and I'll be listening. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate that. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to transition to football. Uh, I think the match is—is is it final? Did that game end? It did not end yet. All right, so uh, we'll see. We'll see if we can do some Mets coming up next. Uh, I did want to get into some football because it's week one that starts tomorrow. Let's go to Kevin and Camden. You're up next on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? Good. How are you? And I meant week one starts tomorrow for our Jets and Giants. That's what I meant. I know it started on Thursday night already with the Bills. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I know. I'm that. ready. Um. I think there's some big significance the Jets are playing at home tomorrow, 9-11. I think it's I'll be there. Great. So, uh, oh, it's awesome. You'll be there? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Guess I will the say Jets this about the Jets. I'm going to talk about the Jets first, like mm-hmm. I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no confidence in Joe Flacco. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, Zach Wilson needs to, I mean, he should have been out. I mean, I know he got hurt. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just because Joe Flacco's older. I don't know. I just have no confidence in Joe Flacco. And Dwayne Brown's already out for tomorrow. Yeah. So I mean, for a couple weeks, me, I'm, get, I'm getting the same old, same old Jets vibes. Like I hate to be negative, but this is this is supposed to be a big year for them, and I'm just not. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing same old, same old vibes. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know how to feel about this tomorrow. Well, I, I, I think but, here's here's how you got to look at it. You know, you got Zach Wilson on the shelf through. You know, the first start he can make is in Pittsburgh. Okay, so you look at yeah. it and you say, okay, Joe Flacco or Mike White. Do you want a guy that could, in in Zach Wilson's absence, bring along a really young team? That's Joe Flacco. Or do you want a guy who's on the same level as them and, and could possibly flounder, potentially, with Mike White? I, I'm taking Flacco because you saw, you know, a lot of the receivers like catching his passes. He can guide them. He can teach them a little bit. I mean, that's how I'm t- taking week one, two, and three, that Flacco's going to be running this offense and teaching the young players around him. That's how I look uh, at it. Yeah, hey, that's a that's a good point. And as far as the Giants, uh, I was I told this to Lori about a, uh, last week. I saw a, a Giants get nine wins. She she thought I was like a little nuts for that. Mm, I just know because the, the yeah. reason I say that is not because look, I know the Giants have been terrible. I, I know I know I've, I've witnessed every gut-wrenching <laughs> defeat over the last few years. Yeah, but I, the schedule is a relatively easy one. I if know Giants, if the Giants. Could get like, like if Leonard Williams has a good year and the defense steps up and we're with Martindale, I've been I, I told you before I wanted him on the team as a coordinator. Oh yeah, we were we were like, together on that one. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm saying the defense with him there, I just think that they can take a big step up. So I'm saying for me. Nine wins is not out of the, out of the realm. Yeah, I agree with you, Kevin. And I know that sounds crazy. I agree with you. A lot of the Giants fans listening might now be like, what the heck are they talking about? But you look at Tankathon. The Giants have the, the, the let's say, let me count. For one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The 10th easiest schedule in the league. And I know that's based off of last year's information. I get that. 
But you look at the schedule itself. Carolina, they could beat Carol. That, that's Carolina. They could probably beat one. Yep. Uh, they could probably take down Jacksonville two. These are like these are like absolute wins. I'd say Seattle, especially if Geno Smith is the quarterback, three. Houston four. Detroit five. Mm. And then you look at the division that they're in. So and they could maybe squeak one out somewhere along the line. So I I don't think nine is is out of the realm of possibility for the Giants if Daniel Jones plays the way I expect him to, and I know you do. And and yeah. if the head coach, you know, grows into the role quite quickly and doesn't lose any games for him. This is gonna be for me a make or break year for Daniel Jones. Oh, it has and, to be. It's you know, it. I, I mean I, for me, I just don't I don't know if he's the guy I don't think he's the guy from watching him. I mean, maybe with this new offense, he'll do something. But I just don't think I – mean, I don't know why. Maybe I, I just don't think he's the guy. I think he'll do this year, and if he plays really well, maybe he can keep the job. But I think next year they're going to draft the quarterback, Bryce Young, whoever else is coming out of college. They'll draft one of those guys. I, that's why I think ultimately is going to happen. I, I hope that Jones plays well. I hope. I'm not I'm rooting against him. But I just – from what I've seen, I just don't think he's the guy. I, I, hope, he, I hope he proves me wrong, but – I think he will. I think he will, Kevin. And 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 I'm I'm a big Daniel Jones proponent. Uh, I think he fits the bill of of any guy that you're going to look to draft. What do you look at? He's got a big arm. Okay, Daniel Jones has that temperament. He's got that too. He can run the ball. He's got that too. So I think it's just a matter of finding the right fit for him, whether that is here with Dayball and his offense or elsewhere. But I think Daniel Jones is going to surprise some people this year. I do. And one last point I want to ask you this. I know Denzel Williams made the team initially. Yeah. Do you think do you think he finishes the year with the Jets? No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. I think that I think so too. I think he's gonna get traded mid either mid season or I think they're gonna build his try to build up his value yes. and trade him. I, I just I, I they should have traded him a while ago. I, I, last I year, Kevin. Back to this. Yep. Should have traded him a while ago. His value was much higher than yep. you could have gotten a much better return than what you're gonna get now. Yep. I, I, I'm just saying for the I, I just hope that they the Jets are smart with the decision they make because you, look the Jets need as many draft picks as they can because they have so many holes to fill. They need to be smart with any trade they make at this point. Yep. No, Kevin, I get you. And we talked about that last year. There were teams September of last year. There were teams calling about Denzel Mims, and the Jets were like, "Nah, now nah, we're good. We still like him." Meanwhile, the guy wasn't even playing. You know, like. You, you missed a window of opportunity on him. So to cut him or, or, you know, to wave him before the season starts, you actually get nothing for him. At least now you're going to hear a lot of positivity over the next couple of weeks about Denzel Mims and how he's catching on and he's a team player and all that. I guarantee it. Mark my words. Because as Kevin just said, they're going to talk him up to sh- in order to ship him out for, for um, you know, hopefully something good. Last pitch has been thrown in the Met game. They have defeated the Florida, Mar- Florida, Mar- listen to me. The Miami Marlins, eleven to three. Final score: Mets over the Marlins, eleven to three. Uh, and with that, if you're if if you follow the Mets at all, we had some late breaking news around I don't know four p.m. four fifteen p.m. The Mets are finally calling up Mark Vientos. I mean, man, what took them so long? I'm Daniel McCartan. We'll explore where Vientos fits in a tired Mets lineup next. Give me a call at 877-337-6666. The hits keep coming. Oh, what a judging blast. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Way up in the bleachers. The fan on 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app.
Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. It is September 10th. And you know what? I decided before we get into some Mets stuff, we do have Tony Richardson, uh, who played for the Jets, fullback for the Jets, calling in about 10 minutes. So let's do a little jet stuff real quick, and then we'll get to your calls. Douglas, I see you, 877-337-6666. You know, earlier in the week, Robert Salas said that Zach Wilson, the earliest he's going to get back is week four. We just mentioned it before against the Steelers, um, October 2nd, that is. And, 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 and Salas said, and here's the quote, he said, Wilson won't play until he's 110%. That goes mentally and physically. We're going to make sure that both the mind and body are 110%, and we're going to make sure to do right by him. And we feel like, in talking to the doctors and everyone, that's going to be the Pittsburgh week. Okay, that's the exact, absolute, correct decision to make. Wilson needs to physically heal, he needs to mentally prepare, and he needs to get comfortable with the first team reps in practice. So, next question is, okay, well, why Joe Flacco over Mike White? Okay, well, my thought is this, and I I talked about it with Kevin, but my thought is this, that the Jets are hoping that the young team around the quarterback could improve their skills and learn things, learn some things under Joe Flacco, rather than a guy who's learning alongside them in Mike White. So for me, it's the right call. It's not about winning games. It's about the development of the players around the quarterback. And for me, Flacco does a better job of that than Mike White. But even if... We are in some sort of twilight zone. And the Jets, by some miracle, enter the Steelers week without a single loss. It is still time to bench Flacco for Wilson. I don't care. Wilson needs to develop. And he is, in my opinion, beyond the point of developing on the bench. So the Jets got it right. They they did do this right. To the phones, we go at 877-337-6666. To Bronx, to Douglas. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's How up, Douglas? Good, good. How are you? I'm I'm doing well as well. Uh, I always enjoy this time of year. Start of the school year. We're starting to enter the fall months and the fall weather, that Christmas in the fall air, the start of football, of course. Uh, and and um, yesterday was even a great day for baseball fans like myself. Not a great day for the baseball purists, but I want the sport to move forward. Of course, yesterday, MLB, they approved the rules for next year for the pitch clock, expanded mm-hmm. bases, mm-hmm. and the shift ban. Um, of course, uh, Danielle, you did a deep dive on the shift yeah. back in February. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, once the ruling came down on Twitter, uh, got you know, as response to my praise, got the generic responses of those that disagreed saying wanted to hit, hit it the other way the other way yeah right hit it the other way and of course you talked about uh and referred to freddie freeman yep. his uh, response to that uh remark that's not so simple yep. and of course the other remark why not just bunt right. well joey gallo led the league and bunt hit opposite the shift yep what value did that have on him yep. uh, especially with the yankees mm-hmm. so the other response which made me roll my eyes. Well, this is similar to banning the blitz in football. Oh, now, okay. hold on, hold on now. Uh, first of all, I, we see the blitz many a time, every game. Uh, a proficient quarterback and efficient offense 
usually can outsmart a blitz. Yeah. Uh, Aaron uh-huh. Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, they, uh, Pat Mahomes, they, they could outdo a blitz anytime, any any game. Uh, and what's easier, throwing the football, running with the football, or hitting a 95-mile-hour fastball yeah. and trying to direct it? Outside, uh, hitting hitting a baseball, hitting a softball slash baseball, it's the most difficult skill, single skill to do uh, in sports, in any sport, across yeah. all sports. Absolutely. There's two other tidbits that uh, came out of this ruling that uh, it's important to note that I kind of overlooked, but uh, I, I, uh, I'm glad to be reminded of it. First, uh, this year, Major League Baseball is on pace to having the fewest amount of singles ever mm. in the history of the game. Uh, despite what the Yankees did. Yeah, I was going to say, does that count today, what the Yankees did in the first inning? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they added to the amount, but still, they're on pace for the lowest. And the second thing, which I do credit Francisco Lindor saying this yesterday, that uh, with the shift, we're sort of, not, we're, excuse me, with the shift, we're not getting the flashy infield defensive play that maybe now that they had this ban, we could have that. We could have you could see a uh, shortstop's range or second second baseman's range. Yeah. So I do, I do I do miss that aspect to uh, an intro because of course Lindor he's certainly apt to make those type of plays. So yeah, I I, I would certainly look forward to that um, seeing that next year. And we need more action on the bases. Uh, we need uh, more base runners. Yeah. As you said last year, fifty nine thousand shifts gobbled up forty eight hundred singles. That's uh, they go action. hand in hand. I mean, Douglas. Both hand in hand, exactly. You got it. Douglas, he nailed it. And and I love most, if not all, uh, of what the rule changes are are and will be coming up for next season. Uh, Douglas, he takes, he's a great listener. He takes great notes. I said all of it, and I still stand by all of it. I don't change opinions, really, because uh, I do a lot of research to come up with them in the first place. So, um, yeah. And and also creating more, more uh, stuff on the base pass, more traffic on the base pass, is going to be the fact that the bases are going to be Bigger, like a lot bigger. So any of those close plays, they're going to be safe. They're not going to be outs anymore, those bang-bang plays. Anyway, we've got Tony Richardson, former New York Jet fullback. He is on the hotline, coming back with him right after this here on The Fan. Whether you're first time, long time, or all the time, call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. To, uh, sorry, I didn't know if I hit the button or not. McCartan, before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Let's get right into it. To kick off the New York Jets season, we have a great friend of the show on the hotline, Tony Richardson, who played in two straight AFC Championship games with the New York Jets. Tony, I love when you come on. We always have an insightful perspective from you. Thank you. Well, so, uh, so great to, uh, to be on tonight. Um, I was waiting patiently. I didn't want to miss your phone call because every time we come on, I have a good time. So I'm actually currently watching Auburn who's struggling with San Jose State. I'm not sure what's going on. It's 14 to 10, but it's been a lot of upsets today. And, of course, you know I love my UFC. I know, I know, I know. I got I had the Met game on here in the studio, but now it's the news, so I got to get up and change this in a second. But right. um, let's get right into it. Let's talk some Jets. I, I, you know, I know I mean, everybody knows that you played on offense. So, Tony, in your experience, could you explain what it is like to adjust from one quarterback to another? Uh, you know, the biggest thing is more of, uh, the cadence because 
Like it was almost, which was crazy. You know, the whole situation when we had Chad Pennington and then they traded Chad in the middle of the night. And next thing you know, we had Brett Favre. So it's more so getting used to the cadence and how they come into the huddle, but more importantly, like how they throw the ball. So like Chad was more of a touch pass when he throw five yard ball. It's more touch. Well, Favre throw a five yard ball and almost knock you down. So it, it takes time just to kind of get used to it. Good thing for these guys, um, tomorrow they've had a chance to work with Flacco for, you know, off and on throughout the offseason because some of these guys are so young. So they've experienced all three quarterbacks. And so I think, I think they should be okay as far as the touch of the ball and just understanding, uh, you know, Flacco's cadence. What would you say is the most difficult part, um, you know, besides all that? What is the most difficult part of getting to be able to, to either take a handoff from a brand-new quarterback or catch a pass from one? I think the most difficult part is just knowing how – because every quarterback, they, they do their mechanics differently. But the thing about it, and one thing that we would always do, so before we start practice uh, every day, we do quarter, quarterback center exchange, and we take handoffs from the quarterback. Just as receivers, they do one-on-one just to get used to it. And so each quarterback has a different – throwing style they have a different cadence and so there's no i mean it's, when they when they kick the game off tomorrow at one o'clock no one will be surprised because they practice i mean we practice and it's funny because i always used to tell my buddies when i played at kansas city i'm like hey man i gotta cut the video game off i gotta go to work they're like where do you work i'm like dude i gotta be at practice at 6 30 in the morning and i get off at six at night <laughs> so i don't i think a lot of people think we just go run around throw the ball for an hour but uh there's a lot of work put into uh preparation for especially for week one Sure. And so you've got Garrett Wilson, who's a first-round pick from this year, saying that Joe Flacco, this is a quote, does a good job of making the passes receiver-friendly. So because Joe Flacco is an experienced quarterback with a young roster, what kind of a setback will this offense face once Zach Wilson comes back? Uh, You know, I don't necessarily – I never look at it as a a setback because there's no way that the coaching staff will put – they just – because you don't get thrown in. So – Whenever they start feeling like he's able to practice, they'll start mixing it in. And so it won't be a, a setback. They'll have, like, you know, maybe the first team, uh, Flacco will take five reps, um, and, you know, and Zach will take five reps. So there's never going to be a surprise. That's one thing they can never do. They can't say, okay, Flacco started, he's going to take all the first team reps, and then, you you know, next time you see uh, Zach is going to be, um, you know, week four, week five. So, no, there's practice reps involved. And, and the good thing about it, they just came out of training camp. So they've all been working together. So there's not a lot of, um, you know, the biggest thing I'm concerned about, not necessarily quarterback play, is more the offensive line and the shuffling now that has mm-hmm. to happen the week before the game. No, that would concern me more than the quarterback play. Yeah, you know, about the injuries to the offensive line, are the Jets already starting behind the eight ball because of them? Nah, you know, like I said, you know, I'm an optimist. So I always look at a glass half full versus a glass half empty. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's, it's definitely a setback because, you know, shuffling the offensive line and, you know, I never played the offensive line. One, I'm not big enough or smart enough. But two, like to be able to see the way Nick Mango was able to keep, you know, guys in sync and keeping the left tackle and the, the left guard. Like that's the thing that you most, um, the chemistry of just working next to a guy because you have to have fit. And everything has to work in motion. That's the part I'm probably most concerned about because that that doesn't happen overnight. And there's the only way you can practice that is full speed reps. And the only way you get full speed reps are either in preseason games or in the regular season. So that's the part I'm probably most concerned about. The quarterback player to take care of himself. Yeah, Tony Richardson here is on uh, is here on the fan with us. You know, Tony, as a guy who made his living running through the holes created by that offensive line, whichever line it was, whatever combination, whatever city it was in. To which degree does this shuffling affect the Jets' ground game, especially with, with some young backs? Well, that, you know, that's the one part that I think that offensive linemen jail because every offensive lineman, all we want to do is run the football. 
So those that that right there is going to come a lot faster than the pass sets because the pass sets, you know, you have to be able to feel, you know, how your right guard is moving, his footwork, and all those things. The run sets they get low, and you know what? Me and you we're going to move that man out of the way. It's for, that's forcing your will. Mm-hmm. And I love you know talking to Damian Woody and you know Thomas Jones whenever we relive our, our our glory days when we were actually running the ball well. Those are the things that you really have to focus on the most uh, is the pass game because the run game kind of takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. Tony Richardson with us on the fan. You know, Tony, I've heard it all week from a lot of guys on the radio, all different stations that have never laced it up in the NFL. But let me ask you, since I have you, is it true that the first month of the regular season is like, quote unquote, preseason? Well, I mean, you can't treat it like preseason because that first month, if you end up 0-4, I mean, you won't be in preseason because you're going to be getting ready for all season. So, (laughs) um, no, it's, 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 it's very important. You do start off a little slow because obviously now with the rule um and obviously i was on the executive committee to help you know make some of those rules where practice is not as physical it's not as long and training camp is shorter um so i was a part of that but the thing about it is you got to still build that momentum because if you get behind the eight ball and you're zero and four going into the second because we put everything in quarters and so the first quarter is obviously the first four over now because you have 17 games that second quarter if you start off zero and four in that second quarter you're already you're already behind so you can't treat it like preseason games matter. And that's one thing I love about our sport because we played 17 games. Um, I had a friend of mine went to the Yankees game today. Yankees probably have, what, 30 more games. NFL, you have 17. And if you lose one, you're already behind the eight ball. So, yeah, you can't treat it like preseason. But the level of competition, does it ramp up? Uh, like, let's just say in week four? Not, no, the level of competition is because you're not the bringing in new guys. Yeah. You go in, yeah. there's 53 guys. The competition is not changing. They're not bringing guys in and out versus like preseason. Uh-huh. That 11 starters that you see on offense, defense, and special teams, those are your guys. And you, you look around, it's funny, which is sad because, you know, you look in the beginning of offseason, there's 90 guys. Mm-hmm. They get down to that, that, that last cut, and 53 guys are on your roster. And you look around, and there's 27 of your friends that are no longer there. And the locker room is empty. If you look behind you for reps, there ain't nobody coming to save you. So, no, the level of uh, – there's no – no, because that's what we're professionals. Uh, we don't get paid for the preseason. You get the real money during the regular season, and no, there's no um, – yeah, it's not like preseason. I'm, I'm not sure who said that. Yeah, I had a feeling you would have said that. It wasn't me, just so you know. <laughs> no, I know, I know that. I know that. Sure. Um, you know, another thing is I, I know – we just talked about winning and stuff like that, but this season, I mean, the Jets aren't focused on wins per se, right? It's more about development. So why Joe Flacco over Mike White, you think? Not, you know what? You always focus on wins. You get, because think about it. If you're not focused on wins, they're going to be, you know, unfortunately people lose jobs when you don't win. So right. if they're not going out to try to win, then, you know, but yeah, when you have a young roster, you just want, and me and D Wood talk about this all the time. You, each week you just want to get better. But also, as you're getting better, you want to win. So if they're not focusing on win, there's going to be a whole overhaul because if you don't win, that's on your record. So if I'm a veteran in the locker room and I'm, say, if I was in my 17th year mm-hmm. and we're not focusing on win, guess what? My 17th year, the record would be 0-17, and, and that's not something that no one wants in their resume. Mm-hmm. So every time you step across that line, uh, even if you're playing with a young team, you go to play to win. Like like Herm Edwards said, we play to win the game. So, uh, no, I, I don't know who – yeah, you – yeah, don't – I mean, the development of the young guys are, is important, but we play to win. If you're not playing to win, then you need to go join another sport. So, then developing the young guys, especially on offense, is, is Flacco a better option over, over Mike White, or, were, or would you roll with Mike White? 
No, I'm going to roll with Flacco because yeah. I'm trying to win. Yeah. Like, I got a guy. He's a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Uh, he's been there. He's done that. He knows this division. He's a former Raven, so he right. knows this team. Obviously, it's a little bit different from when he was there. Ray Lewis is sitting on the couch like me tonight. Harry <laughs> is sitting on the couch somewhere watching TV. But um, it's a different <laughs> roster, but it's the same mentality. Like, one thing that I know or every team knows, when you play against the Ravens, you play against Pittsburgh, you play against Cincinnati, you're going to get hit dead in the teeth. And that's just, that's just the nature of that division. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm going with Flacco because he's a veteran. He's a proven veteran. I'm just not rolling it out just to develop a guy. Like, every time you step across the line, you're trying to win the football game. Right. Tony Richardson, former New York Jet fullback, joins us on the fan. Tony, week four rolls around. Let me paint the picture here. I don't care what the record is, but they look competitive with Joe Flacco. They're putting up points. They're moving the football. They're staying in games late. But Zach Wilson is at that 110% mark that Salah wants him to be at. The wheels on the bus start rolling to Pittsburgh. As a player on that bus, who do you want as your QB1? Uh, well, for me personally, I guess as a veteran, um, I'm not putting my young quarterback off a knee injury on the road against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, you know, like I said, I know Mike Tomlin extremely, extremely well. He was my coordinator when I was with the Vikings. That defense in Pittsburgh is, is real. I'm not putting my young quarterback who's just coming off a knee injury in Pittsburgh on the road. Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm probably going to hold off on that. But you know what? That's why I'm on the couch and not in the front office. <laughs> but let's hey, let's focus on this. Let's try to be 1-0 tomorrow. After that, then we'll deal with week two and we'll deal with week four when it gets there. Yeah, then after that, I'm just looking. Jets, week five, have Miami at home. Might be a little bit more favorable, I would, I would think. Yeah. Tony Richardson, New York Jets, former New York Jets fullback, joins us. Um, besides the quarterback play, which we talked a lot about, offensive line, what are you most looking forward to this season? Uh, as far as the Jets is concerned? Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at my running backs. You know, I'm a running back, you know, through and through. So I'm excited about this running back group uh, and tight ends. Like, I really believe what's going to carry this team, regardless of who's playing quarterback, is tight ends. We, I think we have three or four really, really good tight ends. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Rucker, um, you know, play. He's a young kid. He's local from uh, Long Island. And, you know, my two run- – well, three running backs. I, ca- I can't wait. I think this is going to be a two-headed monster. I got a chance to see these guys. I uh, went to the Jets-Giants scrimmage and to see both of these two guys up, up close. I think it's going to be a great one-two punch and possibly a third guy in the mix. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always looking at the running game. And, of course, uh, you know, I, so I, I can't wait to see this young man play as well. Who was that? You cut out for one sec. Oh, uh, uh, Sauce Gardner. Yeah, I know. Sauce Gardner, I, I, I have my eyes on him on this uh, week one tomorrow for sure. Um, realistic expectations for this Jets team in terms of wins. Are you ready to put a number out there or no? No, no, no. I told you my expectations is 1-0 because yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you don't do that. Like, yeah. To tell you the truth, when you said uh, week five was against the Dolphins, I didn't even know that because one thing I do, I'll be at the game tomorrow, I look at week one. Yep. We let the chips fall as they may. And then we move on It's week two. If you start looking down the line, that's when you get kicked in the teeth, like this happening on my USC TV right now. <laughs> but, um, no, nah, I, I mean, I don't like to do, uh, yeah. you know, I don't like to do that. Because there's so many things that happen. Like, Buffalo came out the gates swinging uh, the other night. So, all of a sudden, you try to get, you know, thinking about Buffalo. And like, oh, we can – now, Buffalo looks pretty serious. So I don't <laughs> like to do that. Yeah. I just hope we get better week in and week out. And um, we'll just count – we'll count them up at the end of the season. That is definitely a player's mentality. Tony Richardson joins us on the fan. Um, are you confident in the direction of this team if you're a player in that locker room, a veteran in that locker room? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's your livelihood. So guys work extremely hard just to play one game in the National Football League. Um, I try to tell people this all the time. There's only 13,500 people in the history of the world that's played the NFL for three, three games or more. So if you're part of that 13,000, well, now there'll be more. 
like you don't you're not second guessing um and that's why i'm staying away from some of these you know talk shows and stuff like that because you don't second guess the quarterback you don't second guess the front office the general manager the head coach like you're very excited just to get that one opportunity to play so you believe because you've worked with them so long and you believe in what everyone's doing and what everyone is, is saying and you just want that opportunity to go out and put your best showing out there because unfortunately a lot of guys got released and a lot of guys are now trying to figure out what's their next line of work. So right. if you don't believe in what you're doing, then you need to go do something else. I love that. Tony, last question here. Um, you mentioned it. I'm going to see you in about 12 hours, right? You're going to be at that Jets Lounge games tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'll be at the uh, I'll be at the stadium. I'm not quite sure I'll be in the lounge just because I have some uh, work commitments, but I'm going to try to stop in and say hello. All right, well, make sure you come and say hi to me. I would uh, love to meet you finally in person. Uh, uh, listen, I'll be doing an activation for the Jets uh, at the Bud Light Beer Garden, so I'll be there from 11 until 1, and then I have some sweet visits at halftime. But, you know, I'm always floating around the stadium, so we'll definitely link up. All right, sounds good. I'll text you. I'll text you when I get there then. Uh, all right, sounds like a plan. You bringing your dad? No, I'm not. I'm not. Not this time. He's a Packers fan, right? My brother's the Packers fan. Oh, your brother's the Packers fan. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to hold that against him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. All right, well, that was Tony Rich. Tony, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. All right, thank you. See you tomorrow. Yankees baseball is on the fan. Swing on, there it goes. Deep right, it is high. It is far. It is gone. The home of the New York Yankees is WFAN. It couldn't have come at a better time. The fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome into the final hour of McCartan Before Midnight here on the fan. Paulie R on the ones and twos. Look at that. Looks like you're remixing stuff back there from where I could see your hands. <laughs> he literally looks like he has turntables in front of him. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. It's been a... Uh, it's been a... It's, we, Jack and I were just talking about how fast tonight is going. So there's an hour, less than an hour left. So get aboard. 877-337-6666. I told you that. My dad and I took a road trip. This past weekend and started actually in Cleveland, Ohio. The drive wasn't too bad, actually. We left early, it, you know, Saturday morning around, I don't know, 6, we left the house. And we got to Cleveland around probably 2. No, we left around, I don't know what time. It was like, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad drive. We washed up. We changed when we got there. And we walked right to Progressive Field. But on the way, we saw the air show overhead, which was awesome. It was so cool. It, so loud, those fighter jets are. And they fly so close together. Oh, man. But we got to Progressive Field. We had on-field batting practice passes waiting for us. And a very huge thankful thank you. We were very thankful to General Manager Mike Chernoff of, uh, of the Guardians for organizing that for us. Um, and it was just an awesome experience all around. Uh, talked a few minutes with uh, former Met. 2022 All-Star Game starting second baseman who started in place of Jose Altuve, Andres Jimenez. And if you're a fan of the show, you know that I was very high on him when he was here with the Mets. I told him that, and he smiled, and he said, we're playing in New York next season. I guess he's got that Mets series circled on his calendar, May 19th, 20th, and 21st. Anyway, the stadium was beautiful. The lower bowl of the seats and the field, of course, was actually below Street level. And that is cool. Um, Heritage Park actually felt like a real park away from the hustle and bustle of the game and the crowd and the stands. And 
probably the best part, there were $2 beers in the outfield sections until the national anthem started. Yes! (laughs) $2 beer night. We got lucky. We didn't know that. And then quickly, on our drive from Cleveland to Pittsburgh, we stopped. We made a pit stop. Well, not really. It wasn't really on the way, but it was a little bit out of the way, but it's okay. Well, first we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where I, Sports Connection, got to see the handwritten lyrics to Enter Sandman by Metallica. Obviously, Mariano Rivera's theme song, entrance music. And then B, we stopped at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which was awesome. We got to visit with a few Giants and Jets in there. Joe Namath, Michael Strahan, Lawrence Taylor, Frank Gifford, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, um... My favorite part about the whole entire thing was they have like this little interactive exhibit where you get to test out the sideline to quarterback helmet headset. I loved it. I put on the head the helmet and I, I was listening to the play calls come through. It was just so cool. And it was just it was so loud. It was way louder than I thought it would have been. Way louder. So now that I know the volume of it and when the quarterback kind of puts his hands over the ear holes to hear it. Well, now I know how loud that crowd is. It's, it's, it's you know, it's it, it was the, the, the actual feed from the coach, from the coordinator to the headset was loud. So, I don't know. I can't imagine being an NFL quarterback with, you know, you, you can't miss a single word on the play call. If you do, you're in trouble. But I posted all the pictures to my social media accounts, at Coach McCartan on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And that's M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And oh, but of course, it ended in the gift shop where I bought the T-shirt that I'm wearing right now. It's the the, the mustard color of the jacket. It's got the uh, the crest of the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, Canton, Ohio, the whole thing. So, yeah, I figured I had to get it. And this they know every color, but I had to get this color. I mean, I have you know, it's a mustard color of the jacket. You know, you gotta be, you gotta be with it. You gotta be official, and this is official. And it came right from the store there. So, um. You know, it was just, it was a fun time, you know? I, everywhere I go, whenever I go on, on trips and things, I try to do as much as possible. And I think we really jammed in as much as possible, which was great. So, uh, Dad, if you're listening right now, that was, it was fun, except for the Pittsburgh thing. All right, to the phones we go. 877-337-6666. Been Yankee heavy tonight. I do want to get into some Mets. And how pumped are you for week one Jets? Week one, Giants. I'll be at the Jet game tomorrow. Will you be too? Let's meet up. Tweet me. Franklin in Totowa. You're up next on The Fan, Franklin. Hey, so, Danielle, that's a fascinating story about your road trips. And uh, uh, I, I know you said something about not being able to get in the PNC because it rained. I mean, that, that would have been a uh, a much more enjoyable scene than Progressive. I've been to Progressive, and it's, it's great and all, but uh, – PNC is a, a much, uh, much better, better, much better place to watch a game. Oh man, and and it wasn't the even. Pirates, it, uh, it's just so it wasn't. It was so frustrating because it wasn't pouring. It was a little misty rain. I played in worse, and then they it was cleared up. The you know by by game time it was cleared up, and it was just so frustrating. We were already on our way home, two hours on our way home, but oh, it was just so frustrating. But we'll have to get back yeah. there. That's it's just an excuse to get but, back, I guess. But, but knowing what you do, you'll you'll get there again. You'll 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 get there and you'll actually get to see a game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So so I I'm calling I guess for, for two reasons sure. tonight. Uh number one, I wanted to kind of um tell you my viewpoints on uh, baseball broadcasters that do a good job and and offer value. Um 
as as compared to uh, hockey announcers and you know from from my perspective um you know i i i really don't think susan waldman um is is capable i i think that she doesn't well, offer Franklin, this is the, the fastest way to get out of this is to have uh, – All right. You don't, you're not going to talk under me. So I, what I was going to say is uh, we're not having any Susan Walden slander on on this radio. So that's that. Um, and if you let me explain that to you, I would have let you get to your next points. But since you didn't, since you talked over me, you took the time to try to slander Susan Waldman. Mm, that's it. You're cut off. Sorry about that. Sorry you had to wait on hold to, to say that. But come on. In the order that you called, Vince in Brooklyn, you're up next on the fan, Vince. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Um, lovely to hear about your trip with your father. Um, you know, I, I wish I still had my father around um, to, to do trips and stuff like that. Listen, I'm going to get right into it. Uh, sure. First of all, thanks to this guy that just called. Uh, Susan needs her chance on the radio on on that to be a to be a head commentator. I'd love to hear her take John Sterling's place and, and, and do her thing because she does her thing very good. Uh, I wanted to talk to you actually about uh ASP quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Uh I I really I really believe that the ASC of course has a better quarterback situation going on with all the uh, all the teams in the ASC and and let's stop thinking that uh this cat for the uh for the Jets is gonna do anything. I think that um, uh, what's his face is going to is going to start these couple of games, and he's going to actually make something happen. Flacco, you, you know? mean for the Jets? Oh uh, yeah, Flacco, yeah, yeah that yeah. that guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, I, I really had hate for him because I'm a big Giants fan, and he, you know he beat the Giants yep. all those yeah. years ago. <clears throat> yep. All those years ago. But I, I'm really I'm really hoping that uh, that that he that he can make a make an impact. You know, for 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 the Jets, and I think he will make an impact for the Jets. I don't, you know, and and not only him, but there's this this other kid. What is his name? Starts with an S, Stribling or Strib something. Oh, he, he's he's gone. He's no longer on the team. They cut him already. Yeah, darn. Because he 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 did a good uh, he did a, a good little job during the uh, during the preseason. I, I was yeah. hoping that they would keep him, but okay, I guess I guess they'll stay with White. And um, it's up to you. Thanks for taking my call. You chime in on that when you want to. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, Vance. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, it's it's Joe Flacco. I mean, he's the guy who's going to bring these guys along. It's a young team. We talked about this, but it, it, you know, but the second that Zach Wilson is ready, physically, mentally, you know, and even emotionally to to an extent, right? You heard Tony Richard just talking about Tony Richardson just talking about how you know. Maybe put them in a starting position. You know, week. You know, his first week is going to come in Pittsburgh. That's probably not the best environment for him to, to start it off in. So maybe at home versus the Dolphins might be a little bit more favorable uh, for that. So there's a lot of factors, uh, but we can't. You know, the Jets. The Jets can't baby Zach Wilson. You know, they can't coddle him. He's got to get out there and, and prove and show that that he's ready to be an NFL quarterback. So the second he's ready is the second. I mean, he said he said he's ready to play. He told reporters, "I could play. I could play week one." The Jets are being extra careful about it, and I'm not exactly sure. You know, I, I guess I know why, but 
they got to get him out there sooner rather than later so he can prove himself because they need to know. And he needs to to to, to build the chemistry with, with the guys around him. And with his offensive line, I mean, Mekhi Becton a bust. Uh, Brown out for a couple weeks at least on the IR. So... I don't know, a lot of moving parts for, for the Jets up front, which could obviously impede the development of, of the, the offense as a whole. But I'm most excited to see Sauce Gardner. I, you know, I, I, I don't buy into hype, but I've officially bought into the Sauce Gardner hype. I know, I know, I know. I'm going to keep a close eye on him tomorrow. At uh, By the way, i got to shout him out one more time. The Jets Lounge. If you're a Jet fan, just go on Twitter, type in Jets Lounge. They host Twitter spaces. It's a great community of Jet fans. Um, and they invited me to the game, so I'm going. I hope to see you there. Billy in the Bronx, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's up, Billy? What's going on? How much? Doing of, a show. Uh, <laughs> a lot of frustration here. I, I, I got I to run it by you here. Tell me. Who's making these lineups in the Bronx? Who's making them? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, no one knows. You have Judge leading off, and yeah. then you have Santon batting two? Yeah, horrible. Uh, he was asked about it after the game, by the way, and he basically, yeah, it, it's like they're throwing dots against the board. <laughs> yeah, he said he said he loves the two of them at the top because he loves, and I'm paraphrasing here, Why? but he loves his big Why? boppers at the top, is what he who's, said. Who, who's on base for them? Nobody. You bat. Who's who's batting seventy nine? Yeah. Mickey. Okay, then you got Gonzalez. Gonzalez is batting nine. I don't know. They're gonna come up. Yeah, they got fifty home runs. He's got 100 RBI. Yeah. You know why? Nobody's on base. Yes. Nobody's on base for them. Every day it's a new lineup. I'm not saying we have to be like Tory. You know, one through nine is the same thing. But every day something new. How are you going to win? And then, you know, they all say the right thing. Oh, whatever we want to do to win. We're animals of creature. Habit. They have to, they have to know where they want to hit. Every day they come to the ballpark. They don't know if they're hitting one, two, three, four, five. How do you want to win like this, Billy? You nailed it. I'm, I'm letting I'm letting you go because I preach everything you're saying is it's everything oh, I've said. Go. I made the lineup in six minutes the other day. You want to hear it? Tell me. Write it down. IKF, Peraza. Then you got Judge Batten three. Yeah, I love that. Yep. Torres and Duhar. If you got to put him in the lineup, put him in. Okay. You got to bat Hicks. Okay. Cool. Hickey and Poirier at the bottom. I don't understand it. It's not difficult. No, it's, it's not, not hard. Surgery. No, I know. I know. And I, and I love, I love, I do love Judge and Stanton batting, you know, back-to-back like that, but not at one three, and two. Four, not three, at one four. and two. Yeah. Three, four. Three, four. Three and four. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. Put people on base for one on two. Yep. Put people on base. One and two. Right? Right. I know. Am I talking crazy? No, you are. You are hard. spitting facts, spitting the truth. Talk to somebody, please. I don't know what's going on over there. They're never going to make it. Billy, I'll, I'll, I will. I will go to Yankee Stadium. I will tell Aaron Boone that all Yankee fans are unhappy with his lineups. <laughs> but, but I, I don't mean to laugh because it's serious. I mean, Aaron Judge should be leading the league in RBI. Instead, he bats leadoff. And I get the fact that they want to put, you know, their guy that gets on the mo, you know, great on base percentage. They want to get him up. But guess what? This Aaron Judge is not a leadoff hitter. 
You know, he's just not. He's about to break Roger Maris's record. And he's batting leadoff. Huh? That doesn't make any sense to me. And and, and it just, again, you, you had another good point there, Billy, of of coming to the ballpark and not knowing where you're batting in the batting order. Baseball players, as you said, are creatures of habit. So if you walk up to the ballpark and you say, hey, I could be batting first today. I could be batting sixth today. I could be on the bench today. You don't even know. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. Who's making the lineups? Nobody knows who's making the lineups. But I know in my women's adult league all the way down to when I played Little League Baseball, I know that I was the second batter. Still to this day, since I was 10 years old, I bat second. And I could get my mind around that and what needs to be done of me and what needs to be asked of me. And it makes me a better hitter. To be jerked around up and down that lineup, I agree with you. I I just don't understand it either. I really, I just, I I don't get it. You know, and and who's making the lineups? That's a great question. I asked Susan that last week, and she said it was Aaron Boone. Not calling her a liar. I I just think it's, there's there's definitely more to that story. I I love Susan. There's got to be more to that because it can't be him. It can't be, right? Man. And you know what? I promise we get into some Mets. Let's do that next. Let's talk some Mets and some call-ups. The Mets have some call-ups of their own. Vientos will be probably starting for the Mets tomorrow. Hopefully starting for the Mets tomorrow. Let's see what he can bring to the lineup. We'll talk about that next. The legends of Yankees baseball. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Hit number 3,000. Derek Jeter has achieved another milestone in his Hall of Fame career. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to McCartan before midnight here on The Fan of New York City. Wrapping up at 11, Ricky Ricardo comes your way, which means time is dwindling. Let's get right back into it. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Listen, uh, the Mets are finally calling up Mark Vientos. I mean, man, what took them so long? Um, You've got a team that is... You know, feeling the effects of a long season. And I know all teams have the same length of season. But going into today's game, Francisco Lindor had played in all but one of of the Mets games this year. And he's tied for the league lead in games played with Pete Alonso. And that designation, that's according to BaseballReference.com. So... It's time for a little rejuvenation in that clubhouse. Maybe it's Mark Vientos. Here's what Lindor had to say about the, um, just not the drag. I don't want to put it, you know, negatively, but about about the course of the season and how it's affecting this Mets team. It's that time of the year, you know. Um, a lot of us kind of hit the wall. We <laughs> oh, it's not. It's, it's not playing. Oh, it's playing, but it's not playing. That's okay. Paul's all right. So Lindor was talking in the clubhouse. I guess it was after last night's game. Yeah, it had to be after last night's game. And he's talking about how, you know, you know, basically it's it's, it's a long season, right? And, and he's played in most, if not all, of the Mets games, along with Alonzo. So you're bringing up a guy that is um, rejuvenating. You know, he, he could be a rejuvenation for this team. And I know the Mets won really big. I get it. I know that. Um, but 
you've got a team that, that needs needs a break at times. And here's Lindor talking about it. It's that time of the year, you know. Um, uh oh. A lot of us can hit the wall. We've got a we perplexed ball behind the glass. That's okay. This is bizarre because it's playing when it's not on air, but it's not playing when it's actually on air. Weird. Because we played a clip before and it worked, too. Yes, it did. I don't know. Well, that's okay. Um, If you get it to work, great. If not, no big deal. I could tweet out the link for anybody that does want to see it. But basically, in the clip, he's talking about how it's a long season, um, but we can't use that as an excuse, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, late afternoon, Saturday. The Mets announced that Starling Marte has been sent to the IL with that finger fracture. So, number seven Mets prospect. Number seven on the Mets list, who is not ranked on the MLB Top 100. Mark Vientos has gotten the call to the show. He's in Miami with the team now. That's according to Buck Showalter. He didn't play. But where and how does he fit? Well, does does it matter? Aren't you tired of seeing Darren Ruff marched out there? Anyone, you or me, are better than Darren Ruff. I mean, in a Mets uniform going into tonight's game, the guy hits 156. I mean, as much as I wanted J.D. Davis out of here, the Mets could use him right about now. Ruff has been nothing short of a disaster for the Mets since he got here. I mean, he had, going into tonight's game, seven hits total. Seven and the Mets DH going into, it was like uh, I was driving in, I don't know, mid-game, probably about the third inning or so. They were talking on the Mets broadcast. Maybe I think maybe Wayne Randazzo brought it up. Out of the Mets DH position in, in, in the lineup, I had, I had to write this down. They were, at that point, at, I typed the note at 6.39 p.m. They were, Mets DHs were four for the last 62. I mean, come on. He, Vientos, he's got to be the Mets DH, although he is a natural third baseman. He's got to, this year reps at first base too, but consequently he's much better at defensively at, at third. But I, I, he's going to be the DH. He's going to platoon uh. with Vogelback. I mean, Vogelback hits 134 against lefties. I mean, even worse than, than Ruff's total. And Vientos, I'm sure, is already an upgrade against lefty pitchers as a DH. So you don't need to hit sand with your Twitter fingers. I know there are more statistics than that in order to see how a hitter's, if he's going to get the job done, blah, blah, blah. But a bird's eye view, a quick glance, it's definitely going to be an upgrade. And I know there's an adjustment period between AAA and, and MLB pitchers. I get that. But... I mean, in the month of August for the Syracuse Mets, he's crushing it. He hit 338 in the month of August. He had 17 RBI in 19 games for the Syracuse Mets. I mean, Vientos is on a tear. And you know what? I have a quote on my refrigerator. It's on a printed piece of paper. It's got a picture of her. I decorated the whole thing, with printed it, whatever. It says, the quote says, just be so good that they can't ignore you. And that's something I live by. I look at that pretty much every day. I look at that. I'm like, just be so good that, that they, they, can't ignore you. Well, the Mets couldn't ignore Vientos anymore. And that third inning bomb last night up the upper third of the batter's eye in straightaway center field, it's got 60,000 views on Twitter, 65,000 views on Twitter and, and, and counting. So the Mets, he was just too good that they couldn't ignore him anymore. Good for him. Congrats to Mark Vientos. Welcome to the show. The Mets need you. Let's see what you can do.
877-337-6666 is the number to call. Rutgers blows out their opponent today, Wagner. The Yankees blow out their opponent, the Rays. The Mets blow out their opponent, the, the Marlins. So uh, I would imagine there would be some happy callers on the line tonight. But let's see, 877-337-6666. Pete and Woodbury, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How what, you doing? What's up, Pete? Can you just do me one favor and just lower the radio in the background? I don't have the radio. Oh, on, I was getting but, a little bit of feedback. It's yeah. better now. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so no, definitely happy. Uh, big win for the Yanks today. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking at the lineup and yeah. the rotation going into the playoffs. And after Montas yesterday, uh, so poorly, I don't think he should even be in the rotation if Severino comes back. And I'm looking at all the injured players that they have coming back, hopefully healthy for October. Well, I'm the Yankees have an, an entire lineup of guys on the injured yeah. list. Like, look at that line. Like, that's an actual major league like lineup. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so I'm curious what you think. Assuming they're all back healthy, maybe Ben Attendee's not, but the rest. Yeah. What do you think the lineup should be? And what do you think the rotation should be? Oh, those are two huge questions. Um, so I guess yeah. rotation <laughs> would be a little easier because there's less, right? So Garrett Cole is the ace. Um, mm. We're talking postseason, right? So... Yeah, like game okay. one. Game one, Garrett Cole. Um, yeah, game, series one. Yeah, game two, Tyone's been on a tear. I'd probably give Tyone game two. Game three, okay. I'd probably give to Nestor Cortez. And it's kind of the roll of the dice beyond that, honestly. Uh, probably Domingo Herman game four. So what do you do with Severino? Yeah, um, he's going to be back soon. That, uh, you know what? That's a wait and see with Severino. Let's see what he looks like when he comes back. If And then it's, it's just going to slot in accordingly if he looks like he could be a third. But the thing is with him, he's not built up, you know? So either that's going to be a bullpen game, quote-unquote, where he or, goes three innings or whatever, or he goes into the bullpen as a long reliever. Or, Danielle, I think, I think after seeing him last year at the end and with all the questions in the bullpen, I think – Eighth inning close or something like that. I think, based on the way Tyone and Herman are pitching, I think maybe that's the best way to utilize them. You know, that's not a bad idea. You'd have to get into the mind of him though, because I know that starting pitching and closing and relieving. You know, some guys can do it, and, and some guys just just can't. So that would have to be a legitimate conversation with him. Be like, dude, this is where we need you. Can you do it? You know, give us an honest answer. If it's a no, that's fine. We'll figure out a different way around it. Um, but if if you can, then that's your slot. So and it's I mean, not a bad idea. Last year when he came back, he looked, you know, he did a few, what was it, like six innings out of the pen? He was really good last year. Yeah. So, I mean, he does have a very small sample size of doing it. Yeah. And, I mean, gone is if you're a Yankee fan, you're expecting him to go six starting, go six innings. So, so the Yankees have right. to do, like, a little bit of work around. Let's see what he looks like uh, when he comes back, and, and we'll have that conversation then. But as of right now, that's kind of what I would do. Um, pending. And, what, and what do you do with center field? Do you start beta? Oh, man. Well, again, that's another thing. you got to see what he looks like, you know, but right. you might have to. I mean, you might have to. Because I, as far as I'm concerned, Hicks should never see an, another center field, another left field, another right field in Yankee Stadium ever again. That's as far as I'm cool. concerned. Um, but, you know, Floreal, he took two bad routes this week alone in center field, and he's just not cut out for it. So what do you do? You, you hold your breath, and, and you hope Bader can, can, can come around. And what if the shortstop Peraza plays well the rest of the season? 
does he start in the playoffs? <sighs> you move IKF to third, DJ to first, maybe if Rizzo's still hurt. Yeah, I know I, it's a lot of question marks. But. Yeah, there are. You know, I, I believe I don't know if the, did I saw a report that said that DJ LeMahieu may not be back this season. Did you see that? Yeah, I heard that. I mean, he's on the IL with the toe injury, ten the ten day, so he he might not be counted upon. And I heard, I believe I was listening to the Michael K show, but I don't want to miscategorize that. But there's there's a chance he might not be back. Rizzo, he looked fine in the dugout today. He'll be back. So I would say Rizzo at first. It's got to be what? Torres at second. I would love to give Peraza the start at short, although I'm just not sure what postseason pitching would do to him. You know, is he sure. ready for it? I'm not sure. Um, But IKF did win a gold glove at third. Right. Yeah, a lot of question marks. Yeah, I wish and, I had better answers. The best of, you know? I don't love him at short anyway. Me so, neither. Yeah, it's... Me neither. Hey, uh, real quick, Daniel. One other thing. While I was on hold, I saw something um, in the news about Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell fighting or boxing. Have you seen anything about that? I, you know, a, a while ago, I did see that. Yes. Yeah. What's that all about? Yeah. They had they had the weigh in. They're doing it. Oh, it's like a real fight. Oh, it's a real fight. Yeah. Interesting. It's in L.A. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, all I right, guess. Thanks, I guess it can't be a great fight, right? I don't know. I hung up. He hung up. I didn't do it. But I don't know. Yeah, you got uh, Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson. Uh, Peterson has seven years on Le'Veon Bell. And they had the weigh-in uh, tonight. So that's, uh, you know. Let's see. When is that? I don't know. It's got to be soon. They're doing the weigh-in. But uh, anyway, uh, I know. There, I, I wish I had better. I am, I am a person of answers. I love giving answers but I don't know. I, do, I just don't know. You know, I, I don't. I, I don't know. And that's something that the Yankees have to answer in the next couple of weeks. They have to put guys in positions to see to create. You know, sort of stressful situations for these guys to see how they perform under pressure. Can Peraza ha- handle uh, a postseason type pitcher? I don't know. Tim LaCastro. He took charge on a ball that looked like it was dropping on left field today. I mean, he stepped right in there because no one else stepped up. Usually the center fielder calls off everybody. Yeah, Floreal, he didn't. So Castro came zooming in there and made the catch. So a lot of question marks for the Yankees uh, moving forward. And it all really hinges on these guys that are injured. And um, if you look at the the guys that are injured on this team that are on the IL, it is a legitimate major league roster, a major league lineup that is on that IL. LeMahieu, Benintendi, Rizzo. I mean, I know Stanton is back now. Donaldson is back now. I mean, but Bader, Matt Carpenter, how everyone forgot about Matt Carpenter, right? We'll see. We'll see moving forward. And um, since it's week one, the Jets and Giants are opening up. I got some predictions to round out the show. Coming up next, right here on The Fan. Your teams, your station. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on, uh, before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. We've gotten some tweets at the... Uh, that the Lindor audio was, in fact, playing. Well, guess what? 
There's ghosts in here. I, I say it all the time. There are ghosts in this studio. So at times, the lights will just turn off in here, like completely pitch black dark at times. And now, apparently, the ghosts have made their way to the to the uh, the audio control room over there. Uh, someone just tweeted me, and they said that they have ordered their NFL Blitz Legends arcade game. Oh, my God. It's available. I need a bigger house. Oh, my I need that. I need that. All right, some football predictions to round out the show. I will be a guest of the Jets Lounge. Uh, they have what they're calling the Hangar. Uh, it's a suite at the at MetLife Stadium. I cannot wait. I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. This is like the day before Christmas. Like I'm not gonna be able to sleep because, like, I don't know. About 12 hours from now, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be wearing my green number seven Asiason jersey. And if you plan to be there too, come and say hi. Tweet me. Let's let's take a pic. It's gonna be a special day. I'm sure the Jets have planned something. Something good to commemorate the 21st anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks. So um, I will also probably be, be wearing my FDNY cap, which I'm wearing right now, and, uh, you know, to support the brave men and women who work through, I don't know, daily demoralization to keep this city safe. So um, I'm excited to go. I can't wait to go. It's going to be a poignant, important day uh, for me tomorrow, at least. So we look at the point spread of the Jets-Ravens game. The last I checked was uh, this morning, around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Had the Jets as uh, 6.5-point home underdogs. And, I mean, the Jets are seeing a fresh week one Lamar Jackson who is ready to absolutely ball out after he and the Ravens failed to come to a contract agreement. That'll do it, right? And you got Jersey Joe Flacco playing a revenge game of sorts, kind of, against his old team. Not really. It's the Ravens, yeah, but it's been a while. I, I mean, I think the Jets are going to be competitive. I just don't think they're going to pull this one off. I hope I'm wrong. That's my favorite saying. I hope I'm I should get a t-shirt that says, I hope I'm wrong. But I'll be there. I, I hope, I hope that the Jets somehow pull this one off. But I don't see it happening. I'll tweet the score. I never hide behind my picks or anything or delete tweets. That's just not me. I'm going Ravens 28, Jets 20. Ravens 28, Jets 20. I got, I'm got. i tweeting it at, you know, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I just love putting the, uh, the hashtags, the take flight hashtag. I don't know what the Ravens one is, so I got to look that. I think it's Ravens flock, isn't it? I'll, I'll look it up. Anyway, then so I got Ravens 28, Jets 20. And then you got the Giants down there in Music City to take on the Titans. Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, those Titans who last year finished, I don't know, 12-5 and five atop the, NFC, uh, the AFC South. I mean, that record was tied with Kansas City for being the best in the AFC last year. And I know this is a different year and a completely different year, pretty much from top to bottom at that for the New York Giants right, from GM all the way on down. Uh, but I still just don't see how they can come away with a win tomorrow. I'm sorry. I, I know the Titans are just still too good. And, and, and something I, that's really going to drive it home is this. I mean, Tennessee's strength is the run defense. And last year they ranked in the top five in rushing yards against you know, the whole thing. I mean, Daniel Jones is going to have to win this game for the Giants. And as of right now, as much as I've been singing Daniel Jones's praises, I mean it's week one. It's it's hard to, to. I haven't been to practice. You know what I mean? But 
I'm not, and therefore I'm not 100% confident when I say that, that Daniel Jones can take the ball into his hands and, and, and beat the Tennessee Titans. I think he has all the physical tools, but I, I need to see how he progresses in this brand new system. His fourth different offensive coordinator now in his fourth year as a giant, um, mixing a brand new head coach and everything that comes with that. And, and by the way, that's Daniel Jones' third in four years. And, and you know, we haven't even seen Brian Dable manage a clock. So I foresee some growing pains here. It might get ugly in Tennessee. It has the chance to get ugly in Tennessee. But you got the Giants' five-and-a-half-point road dogs. And again, my, my, my main slogan here is, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm picking the Tennessee Titans over the New York Giants with a final score of 24, and I think I'm being generous to the Giants when I say this, but I'm saying Titans 24, Giants 17. Gi- uh, Titans 24, Giants 17. And you know what? The silver lining of it all. I know I'm predicting two losses to, to both of our teams here, but I the silver lining, I'd say, is that for once, the teams are finally on at two different times. They're on at two different times. So when I leave MetLife Stadium and I'm leaving to go home, I'm going to have Bob Papa and Carl Banks to keep me company because the Giants are on at, what is it, 425, whatever it is. I don't care. It's not at 1 o'clock, so good. So I get to watch the Jets live, and I get to watch the Giants when I go listen on the way and then watch when I get home. So that's going to be great. And I don't know if I want to do this, but we do have one minute. And you know that I just I don't want to mush it. I don't want to mush it. And Paul, you tell me what you think about this. My uh, survivor pool. I don't want to mush my pick, but I was really flip flopping between two, between the 49ers and the and the Colts. 49ers and the Colts. Who would you have picked? Because it locked. I can't change it now. Oh, it already locked. Yeah, it locked. Okay. It locked. It locked. I hate that, though, because it locked before the Thursday night game. I hate that. I guess it makes sense, just in case. Uh, I probably would have went with the Niners. Yes, that's what I picked, too. I probably would have went with the Niners. <sighs> makes me feel just better. I, just because I think the Texans might be a little frisky. You think? A little friskier than the Bears. The Bears are awful. Yeah, right? Um, Along with our two local teams, who are also both awful. Yeah. Um. That's that's what I was hoping you were going to say. I picked the 49ers. Yeah, I think for, 40, even though they're on the road in Chicago, yes. I, like Chicago is awful. They're that bad, right? They're very bad, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just need a little bit of pump up. You know, like that Lizzo song? I'm going to need a sentimental man or woman to pump me up. Let's go 49ers. I'm just kidding. Let's go Jets and Giants, too. All right. Paul, thank you for that, by the way. All right. Thanks to all the, every caller that called in. Could not have done this without you. Tweeters, everybody. Love coming here and talking with you. Missed any portion of tonight's show? Well, it started around 8 o'clock. Hit the Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of that show around 8. Great job to Paulie Rosenberg behind the glass. Um, And uh, to Jack Stern on the updates. To Tony Richardson, the Jets fullback, former fullback who joined us at 940. Want to go back and listen to that? Great. I will see you next Saturday night after the Yankee game up until 2 a.m. In the meantime, at Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll keep the conversation going. And you let me know if you're going to be at MetLife tomorrow, right? Ricky Ricardo next here on WFAN. Sports Radio 101.9 FM.
Trabalhando 